Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, we reveal our play activity and see if our friendship can survive it. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We are going to be talking about the news from the week, including Switch shortages and firmware 10.0.0. And then on Thursday, we're going to be continuing Retro Month with Star Fox. But in the meantime, Mark, how you doing? I'm doing great. I've got to tell you, uh, not to give too much away, but I beat... Star Fox, or a configuration of Star Fox. Mm, yes. Um, well, we will have to talk more about that, I'm sure, because I also beat Star Fox, at least one configuration of Star Fox. Um, and I believe I believe we should each at least beat it one more time. Oh, okay. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to give away too much, but that doesn't make me happy. <laughs> well, I, I'm. I'm just telling you what I plan to do. I plan to not be satisfied with a single path through the game. No, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, Mark, how 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 are you doing? How is your world right now? Oh, you know, like uh, it's fine. Can't mm-hmm. complain. I'm doing. Okay. Um, again, don't want to give away too much, but uh, I've been watching those Andrew Lloyd Webber musicals that he's been posting on uh, YouTube recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's important to keep busy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of keeping busy, you can keep yourself busy by borrowing my copy of Sonic Forces. Although someday, not right now. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to mail it out right now. But if you would like to get on a list to borrow my copy of Sonic Forces. For the Nintendo Switch, you can. All you got to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com and give us a mailing address that I can send it off to someday when uh, I don't mind going into the post office. Um, also, I hope that post office survives. That would be great. <laughs> um, also, thank you so much to everyone who has friended us on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, it has been great and super fun to see people uh, playing Animal Crossing and playing uh, everything else as I'm on that machine. Uh, I saw, speaking of play activity, uh, caught my play activity today, and it's like, I've played 80 hours of Animal Crossing. Oh my gosh, I was so surprised. I've played 35 hours of, like, it says more than 35 an- hours of Animal Crossing. Uh, we'll get there, we'll get there, we'll get there. We'll get there, uh, we'll yeah. get there, we'll get there. Uh, of course, <laughs> We're giving so much away. <laughs> of course, in April, uh, it is retro month. We've been playing SNES Classics. And this Thursday, we are going to be talking about Star Fox. So if you have anything you want to say about Star Fox, get those observations in by Wednesday. That's right. And you can email them to us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. Or you can tweet at us at NinCart Society. We will see it there. And I'd love, uh, th- this is a, a game uh, in particular that I feel like the greater variety of opinions we have on it, uh, the better. So uh, get that all in. Would love to know what your experiences were playing it initially, what your experience of playing it now, uh, all of that. Um, okay, Mark, let's get into what we've been playing this week. 
So you and I actually got together uh, digitally <laughs> this weekend um, to play some games together. Yeah, which is one of the, like, weirdly, one of the few times that this has happened where we've done it online. Like, a lot of, mostly, um, you know, I would go over to your place and we would play games for, like, a Saturday or something. Uh, very rarely have we connected online to play. Yeah, well, I mean, I think part of that is uh, that we are a Nintendo show, and Nintendo is not uh, super well-known for its um, online features. Um, but uh, we were able to, I think, make use of some, uh, at the very least, like, mostly competent uh, <laughs> uh, Nintendo online games, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we checked out uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, which is classic Nintendo online. Mm-hmm. Uh well I it's a it, I I know that uh before we started up you were like man I wish we could just play cart and I was like oh we can um that there was like a a moment where it's like we almost didn't believe that the switch would uh be as like convenient and useful as we wanted it to be but it was uh, actually pretty easy to set up a lobby um on my switch uh and that for for you to join it so sarah and i were playing on on my switch you were playing on yours at your house um and we raced against uh, a bunch of computer opponents and uh just did like eight random tracks and have a great time we also checked out each other's islands in animal crossing again and i've got to say your island looks awesome like uh i left your island i went back to mine and i've paid like hundreds of thousands of bells so i can start moving like houses and like the museum around so i can like have some sense of organization of my island hopefully someday uh-huh. <laughs> um is, i mean so it this this weekend or i i believe it was friday morning i uh got kk slider to play at my island uh which serves as the like functional end of the game even though obviously you want to keep playing um but like credits roll during the kk slider uh concert um so i got that and then immediately following the concert tom nook is like oh here now uh now you have like the construction clearances um so you can start uh laying paths you can start um digging cliff sides and you can start uh making water um and as soon as i got that uh, like i would be willing to believe that i put in 10 hours this weekend uh just like carving stuff out on my island cuz it's so it's it's slow and the tools are clumsy. Like it is really hard to do precision work uh, in with all of that. But it is so much fun to finally be able to like reshape your island. Well, we were talking about earlier like our play histories. I was shocked to look at mine and see saw that it was like over thirty five hours in Animal Crossing. Because to compare that that's like equal to the amount of time that I put into Fire Emblem Three Houses. And that game took me months to complete. Yeah. And, like, I would have guessed that I had put maybe, like, comparatively in, like, if I thought about it logically, it's like, yeah, I guess 35 hours makes sense. But, like, comparatively to the amount of time I felt like I've put into Fire Emblem Three Houses versus mm. the amount of time I felt like I've put into Animal Crossing, it's like, I would have guessed that Fire Emblem Three Houses took me, like, twice as, three times as much time. Like, I am shocked at how much time has gone into Animal Crossing. Um, I'm a little shocked for, for me too. My number's way higher than yours. <laughs> um, but I also know that there are times when I have been playing and then like 
you know, something happens on my computer or like I start working for a little while and I just leave the game on uh, and then just like pick it up, you know, half an hour later. And like the, I'm there, there's a bunch of idle time in that game um, that I, uh, I know the clock has been running and I haven't actually been playing. So I'm sure some of that is in there too. Um, but also uh, I've played, I've played the game a lot. <laughs> Um, we have also, uh, also this weekend when we were playing together online, we played some SNES online, um, cause you mm-hmm. can play two player games, um, in co-op online. And so we played Kirby's Dreamland three, which are, is a game that neither you nor I had played, right? That's right. Um, it felt an awful lot like Star Allies to me, like Kirby Star Allies, um, uh, I was playing. Oh, I didn't look it up. Mark, did you look up the the name of that creature that I was playing as? Oh no, the, like, no, the like you kind of like misshapen uh, Dragon Quest slime looking character. Yeah, he definitely looked like an off brand slime. Uh, it's like goop or gloop or something like that. Anyway, we played it, and it's a Kirby game. <laughs> yeah, I um. So whenever I go back and play older Kirby games, like the Kirby game that I have the most experience with on the SNES is uh, Superstar. Like I played that with my siblings, with like my younger sister, like so much. I love that game that I play other Kirby games like um, Kirby Dreamland 3. And I'm like, wow, this is really, this feels really limiting. Because Kirby Superstar 2, or Kirby Superstar has like all these different mini games you can play. Um, it just feels like really dynamic. Like there are so many uh, like uh, abilities that you can pick up in comparison. It's just like crazy. And then like playing, mm. Kirby, I agree with you that playing Kirby Dreamland three felt like playing Star Ally, which is fine, but not you know like the highest compliment I can pay something. Um, and I mean, I I sort of liked Star Allies, so. Um... But yeah, I mean, I, I, if I had to choose between, like, I, I, is there someone out there that's like uh, Kirby's Dream Land 3 is like my Kirby game? Like, is, is there someone like for whom this is the pinnacle of Kirby? Uh, probably not. I, I would think I would. Well, I mean, who knows? I guess maybe somebody. Uh, I saw you left a note here that uh, you played some NES Switch online as well and that you can turn off the display on the top and bottom of the screen. I had yes. no idea. I had no idea. Yes. So I don't know when this became a feature of the thing, but it was something that I complained about when uh, it was originally um, introduced. You know that thing at the bottom that says, like, you hold these buttons to, uh, like, get the suspend screen. Um, this button equals A. This button equals B. Um, you can just go into the settings and turn it off. The settings of, like, the uh, like NES Switch Online, like when you're on the main yes. select screen. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's it's over there by the like single player, two player online. Um, and then there's like the little gear. Um, and I think before it had just been the like, you know, uh pixel perfect four by three or uh CRT filters. Um, and now there's an option at the bottom that says like turn off display or whatever, something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I had no idea. Um, so I, uh, this afternoon, played a little um, Dr. Mario like that and a little uh, Ninja Gaiden like that. And it, it felt like actually playing those games without having, uh, you know, an insane little pop-up thing at the bottom uh, <laughs> telling me that the, my buttons were buttons. 
Uh, and then uh, I also uh, I, I continue to play Murder by Numbers um, this week. I am getting like kind of hyped up for Picross right now because Picross Four is coming out this week, um, and I also downloaded the demo for that. Um, and I played through um, some of like the regular size puzzles. And one of the new features of this Picross is it's doing like giant size puzzles. So I did one in the demo that's thirty by thirty. Whoa. Um, yeah, it was huge, and it took me like forty-five minutes, and I loved it. <laughs> um, can I tell you? So this is not what I've been playing, but you know, a few mm. weeks ago I played um, the demo for Disaster Report Four, and my takeaway was like, this is a like a, the weirdest game, like bizarre, janky, but in kind of an endearing way. Um, I don't know if you follow Frank Cifaldi on uh, Twitter yeah. or anything. So he's uh, the former editor of Gamasutra. Um, he's now like he is now the director of like the Video Game History Foundation. Um, I follow him on Twitter. He picked up Disaster Report Four and has been tweeting his impressions. And uh, he, I, I wouldn't say he's having fun, but it is fun <laughs> to learn more about like how crazy the game is. Apparently, there's like a part where you're like in this town and you're able to convince these people that this like water or whatever that you have is like a, a miracle cure all, and so the mayor is willing to do anything and let you in including like rename the game so you can you can choose that option and then next time you go to the start screen the game has been like renamed to whatever he agreed to rename it so it's just like wow. stuff like that that you're like this game is insane and should not exist <laughs> and yet it does speaking of things that should not exist uh the character's name is gooey oh. in <laughs> in kirby uh and yeah, what a monster. He's got too much tongue. Um, all right. Well, that's uh, what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. All right. On Thursday, April 23rd, Picross S4 is released for Switch. Uh, very excited about this. It's a $10 game. So like, absolutely. Uh, take my money, give me some more <laughs> Picross puzzles. Uh, I want to play them giant Picrosses. I kind of want to mess around with the uh, color Picrosses and the mega Picrosses, and I have never been good at mega Picross. Um, so, like, I'm this. I'm I'm very excited for this. I I'm sorry that I'm going to try to talk about it <laughs> on, on every episode because it's always just going to be more Picross, and there's not going to be anything new to report. Um, other than I'm having a wonderful time. So have you? Uh, for a while, it was just inherent that when we were doing a what you've been playing, there was like the silent, unspoken Tetris ninety nine, and I'm curious if uh the current like. Uh, stay at home time has made more time for Tetris 99 or if you're on like a kind of Tetris 99 sabbatical uh, I would say that Animal Crossing uh, is the new Tetris 99 is, is the new Tetris 99 for me yeah I mean it is my uh, I've got some time I've got you know I've just got to like spin my mind for a little bit um, that's Animal Crossing now um, whereas before it would have been uh, Tetris 99, and then I would have just watched the day disappear. <laughs> um, it's it's very much the same thing, but now I'm just, you know, chopping down trees and uh, giving presents to my animal friends. And then on Friday, April 24th, the Trials of Mana remake is released, which uh, for whatever reason, I thought this was not coming out so soon, but here it is. 
Yeah, I mean, we've seen it in, like, Nintendo Directs uh, for kind of a while now, right? Yeah, it was um, announced at but E3, it, at last mm-hmm. E3 2019. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, and at, at the same time that the Mana Collection was released, right? Right. Um, on, on Switch. Uh, yeah, I mean, so you have a little note here uh, in our notes that uh, the Trials of Mana remake is 50 bucks. Um, is it your assertion that that is uh, too much money for a remake of this game, or what? what why? I think uh, it is a interesting yeah. price because we always joke. We always joke about the you know like this, and by we I mean not us specifically because I don't think we've ever made this joke. But the world, the internet at large, um, mm. talks about like the Square Enix tax and how Square Enix games are usually like you know like maybe not priced fairly, and so uh, you know. Um, the Secret of Mana remake that came out last year, like at the beginning of last year, maybe for um, PlayStation Four, was not super well received. Um, you know, for for this game, instead of doing like a remake, it's basically just like a complete reimagining um, that kind of follows the same story. But I just feel like. I don't, yeah. and you know, they've said that they've taken the criticisms of um, the Secret of Mana remake and are like trying to take uh, use that feedback to improve Trials of Mana. I don't know. This one just feels really weird. Um, it, I, I hope it was cheap to develop. I just can't imagine that there's much of a market for this. So I believe that the, uh, am am I correct in this? Is uh, the um, the game that came out that was a remake of one of the mana games before that was the original Psycho Densetsu, right? The the Game Boy one that was um uh sold in the States as Final Fantasy Adventure. Um maybe there was one at some point, but I'm actually looking it up now. It was it was 2018, so it's been like more than two years. February 15th, 2018. PlayStation on PlayStation 4 there was a Secret of Mana remake. How was I I mean, I'm sure I was paying attention and that we talked about it in some capacity <laughs> on this show. Um but uh yeah, that's uh that's crazy. Well, it wasn't good by all accounts. Mm. Um which I is why I think it kind of flew under the radar. Again, Trials of Mana that was the, is based on the third Psycho Densetsu game which never came to the West until um, you know, last E3 as part of the Second Densetsu collection, or what did they call it? The Mana something or another. Um, yeah, I like collection of Mana, I think. Yeah, that's Which right. Which I own. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. You, uh, it was the first time that in the US and Europe you could play Trials of Mana. But for all intents and purposes, this is a new game to people. It would certainly be a new game to me. And, mm-hmm. um, it, from what I have read, the little bit that I've read in the previews and stuff, it seems like Square Enix is treating this kind of as just like a new game as far as they're concerned. Um, kind of nuts that uh, Square Enix is like, yeah, we're going to put out a remake of Final Fantasy VII and a remake of Trials of Mana within two weeks of each other. <laughs> <laughs> it's just uh, they're just firing all their bullets at one time. Um, okay, well, so uh, are are you are you interested in Trials of Mana? Is that uh, like a game that you think um, you would be you would want to pick up? Or mm, I don't think so. I think if I was going to play one, it would be in the uh, collection of Mana and playing like the original SNES version. Um, but you know, like 
one to I'm interested to see the reception of this one. I mean, for me, if I'm going to play a Secret of Mana game, I'm going to play Secret of Evermore. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, those are the new releases. Let's close that out. Now it's time for a regular segment on our show. It's time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Uh, Mark, you alluded to it already. Uh, with the Andrew Lloyd Webber talk, uh, but we are going to be talking about lockdown music, uh, how we have been taking in music or how music has been put out uh, that we have listened to uh, during this like safer at home uh, order. So what, tell me a little about this Andrew Lloyd Webber thing. Oh, sure. Yeah. So there's like a YouTube channel called The Plays Must Go On, and it's uh, like by his company, or whatever, and um, <laughs> like for the past three weeks and potentially into the future, he has been releasing recordings of like um, one of his musicals every Friday and then having it available for 48 hours. So the first was the um, recording of Joseph the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat with Donny Osmond. The next week was... Um, so wait, are, are these are these original cast recordings? No, so they're like... Uh, um it, it like varies like the one okay. the um the uh joseph the amazing technicolor dream coat seems to be like a production it, it it's like it's filmed a mix between like being like a stage version and it has like this framing device oh, sure. with like okay, a yeah. english school type thing um and so that one is specifically for that the other ones that he has been releasing, or at least the middle two, which was Jesus Christ Superstar and um, Phantom of the Opera, are like Jesus Christ Superstar was like a like concert version that was filmed, and then uh, the Phantom of the Opera was like the twentieth or thirtieth anniversary celebration, um, uh, filmed in front of like at the uh, uh, some I can't, I'm blanking on it, um, the sure. Royal Albert Hall. Um, and, uh, so next week is like, love never dies. So, uh, I grew up like, that sounds like the name of a James Bond movie. It's, it's, <laughs> you will not, we have to talk about this on another time. Right. It is a direct sequel to the Phantom of the Opera that takes place at no. Coney Island. Oh, Patrick, it gets worse. <laughs> no. It's, um, <laughs> uh, the premise of it is that Raul is uh. now, uh, like a drunk gambler who's out of money. So they have come mm. to Coney Island because a mysterious benefactor is like, Christine, I'll give you a ton of money if you come and sing here. And guess who owns like this like Coney Island type um, place? It's Mr. X, wink, wink, the Phantom. Phantom Incorporated. And yeah. then <laughs> 10 years ago, in a part you don't see in the play, or in the first one, apparently Christine and the Phantom had sex and they have a secret son who they think... Baby Phantom! <laughs> who, like, Raul and Christine think is Raul's uh -huh. kid, but then they come and mm. the Phantom's like, wait a second, 10 years ago. Oh, wait, so maybe Christine always knew. Patrick, it is insane. I can't believe anybody yeah. thought it was a good idea. Anyways, that's the one he's showing on this coming week, which tells you... Amazing. Which tells you that, like, he is quickly running out 
of ones that he can show because other mm-hmm. like of filmed like concert versions or whatever that he can show of these plays. I feel like it's only a matter of time before we get the um uh the like masterpiece theater cats or the whatever like the PBS like great performances thing is. Yeah, uh, that'll be a fun one. I would love to see whatever uh, concert recording he has of Starlight Express. <laughs> oh my <laughs> gosh, yes. Yes, please. I am desperate. That is what I need right now. <laughs> um, well, uh, so that sounds awesome. Uh, wh- when do they go up? Just over the weekend? They, uh, they, I think they go up like, fr- in Pacific time, they go up like Friday at like 11 a.m. or something like that. And they're up for 48 okay. hours. Cool. Um, I will check in on it this week. Although I feel like I'm getting in on like the worst possible one to go in cold on. <laughs> I can. I mean, you will laugh. You will. But uh, it's some of it's tough to watch because it's real bad. What is it called? Tomorrow never dies. No, <laughs> I wish. Uh, love never dies. Got it. Got it. Got it. <laughs> um, uh, I have been uh, taking in a lot of um, videos of bands and uh, artists that I liked in like high school and college that are like continuing to record uh, music now. Um, and it's, you know, never uh, like new stuff. Like um, Rufus Wainwright is doing um, a song every morning uh, at the piano in his robe um, and uh, like live streaming that. So I've been watching those because um, he's great and he's got a new album coming out. Uh I, I've been watching um, the uh, the band Goldfinger. Uh, every couple weeks, they put out a recording of uh, a song from each of their albums. So they've done one from Hang Ups uh, here in your bedroom and um, from their self-titled uh, Superman. Uh, and it's just like them doing it now, like in their separate homes. Uh, so, you know, it's a song that uh, they recorded when, you know, the lead singer was like 22 and now he's doing it and he's like 50 and it's just i don't know it's really nice to see like here's a he's a damn man now like a grown-up i guess we'll uh we'll we'll never know (laughs) what what i liked about that um we were accompanied today by an ensemble at the musical instrument museum in phoenix um all right mark that was 433 let's get into the news Hey, have you been looking for a Nintendo Switch? Because you've seen all your friends uh, playing Animal Crossing and you want to get on the fun or vice versa. Your friends have seen you posting all of your Animal Crossing interactions and really want to get get in on that. Um, You might have noticed that uh, Switches are really hard to come by right now. Oh, yeah. They're like toilet paper and Lysol wipes. (laughs) Yeah. So like major retailers... Um, you know, if you look at like Target or Best Buy, they've had them in limited supply and uh, they'll have some go up on the website and then they're sold out. Um, they're basically becoming like Ring Fit Adventure. So on the secondhand market, uh, Switch lights are usually going for about uh, $290. So the Coral one's like almost 400 for whatever reason. I mean, just because there are fewer of them out in the world. And just as a reminder, these things, the retail price for them is supposed to be 200 bucks. Yeah. And then regular switches are going for like between 500 and 600. So again, sometimes double what the uh, retail price is. Um, and then if you want like bundles or God help you, the Animal Crossing special edition. Like, Ooh, yeah. yeah. Or oh, if you want that, uh, the um, Sword and Shield, uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield one. Uh, like switch light that thing's like eight hundred dollars right <laughs> and now. it's like, so it ugly is, it's the wild west out there <laughs> it, it is ugly yes 
Um, yeah, so according to Nike, a report in Nikkei, Nintendo is planning to increase production of the system by 10% over last year's roughly 20 million units. A Nintendo rep said, quote, we hope suppliers will be responsive to the production increase, but for pro- procurement of some parts, the outlook remains uncertain, and we can't forecast exactly how many switches can be supplied. So to what do we think we this can be attributed? Like, is this normal um nintendo shortages is it like covid stuff like what's going on here i think it's um primarily covid stuff i think we're at the point in the um for the most part in most territories in the switches um life cycle where you know initial production shortages have been worked out uh i think we're seeing you know like a shortage of components being made a shortage of components being able to be sourced a shortage of uh laborers being able to like manufacture the systems Mm -hmm. um you know like some of that stuff is beginning to ramp up again in countries like china who have passed the peak of uh you know their COVID 19 lockdowns and are beginning to open up again but yeah i uh you know i think there might be some supply tightness just around uh animal crossing but, uh, yeah, I can't imagine I, I that we'd be in this situation yeah. otherwise. I, I think there there is a, a fourth component here, too. Like, I, I do think COVID, definitely. Nintendo, yes. Animal Crossing, sure. Um, but then also uh, that there is uh, competition for the component parts uh, with Microsoft and Sony, who are uh, ramping up for their production of their new consoles coming out um, for holiday 2020. Um, so I think it's it's a little bit of a perfect storm of just like, they just can't make them fast enough, easy enough. Yeah, I think that makes total sense. It will be interesting to see, like when does, you know, like supply catch up with demand in this situation? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, and it's it, it's weird because outside of the, like the initial run on switches um and i guess kind of through the first year right like it was tough even to get it um uh like right up until uh like mario odyssey came out like they started to be a little bit more plentiful at that point but um like that there hasn't really been a period since then uh where it's been hard to find switches um i remember there being a couple different periods where we where you couldn't buy 3DSs on the first hand market where like everything had to be bought um second hand um and it's just it's just weird that that seems to happen to Nintendo uh, last week the switch got a pretty big firmware update uh version 10.0.0 which i guess maybe i wasn't really like seeking out the information but this was a big one um, and I feel like it kind yeah. of flew under the radar with everything else that's going on. So new features. Well, in- you know, Mark, do you know why it flew under the wa- radar? Hmm. And I know I almost said radar. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it almost flew under the radar because it, it, uh, it popped on Tuesday morning, which means exactly after we record our show. So we it came out a week ago, but we haven't talked about it until right now. Yeah, that actually makes sense. That makes a ton <laughs> of sense. Um, so yeah, this version 10.0.0 adds some new features, including the ability to bookmark news stories to read later, um, which, okay. Uh, <laughs> you, can, you can bookmark up to 300 articles <laughs> to read later. Uh, the ability to move data between the system memory and an SD card. That's huge. Huge. 
Huge. Uh, button remapping for both Joy-Con and Pro controllers. Again, this is huge. Because you can save up to five custom remappings. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's only, it only works with, uh, Joy-Con and the Pro Controllers, uh, at least for the time being, but I assume that they don't have, uh, plans to, um, develop the button mapping beyond that. But I mean, it does, it solves so many problems that, um, people have with, uh, just, uh, video game accessibility in general, but also like, there's that little bit of, um, Nintendo weirdness uh, where like everyone else, um, when localizing games for um, the West, has sort of adapted the um, the right button is the confirm and the bottom button is uh, like backup. Um, and Nintendo's like, no, the bottom button is always going to be our accept button. Um, and if you wanted to now, you could change that on your controllers. It's crazy. Yeah, it's it's uh, pretty cool. I mean, I know that on. Uh... Uh, the lo- the oh, Dark Souls remastered. Once you, they did not flip it, or they did. They did. They took like the Sony mechanic, and so uh. so it's like when you're out in. The, so like if you um you know like click the home button and uh like do something in the home menu, then it's the standard Nintendo controls. But as soon as you get back into Dark Souls remastered, it's like reversed. It's always take. It always took like a little bit of time to get used to that. Like you would hit the Dark Souls remastered yeah. title screen and you would hit, you know, uh, it would want you to hit X, but you'd hit <laughs> yeah. the A button. Um, that's, uh, what's very funny about this update is then that doesn't fix this problem. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess, uh, yeah, you're right. It doesn't. Um, it would just make things more confusing. Uh, yeah. they added user settings to where you can control who can view your play activity. Um, and you can now mm-hmm. delete your play activity if you are if you feel terrible about playing. Um, I don't know. I was trying to think of a good example of a game you should be sh- feel shame for playing, but I couldn't think of one. Or if you've got 390 hours in Tetris 99 <laughs> and you don't want everyone to know that. Um, it, it's so this is cool. Um, I it still feels like a little bit of a half measure. Um, because I I still wish they would just tell you uh, exactly how much time you've played on every like. Don't tell me about 30 hours. Don't tell me first played 11 days ago. Like, just say, like, played 35 hours and 16 minutes. Like, why why can't you do that? The Wii did that. The Wii U did that. The 3DS does that. Why doesn't the Switch? Yeah, it's interesting because there is clear, like you're saying, like, they did it before. So there is clearly some reason why they chose not to do it. And I'm desperately curious to know what that is. I mean, is it just part of, like, the general, um, like, Nintendo ethos of, like, hiding the numbers from you or, like, trying to make it so you can't, like, see behind the curtain? Like, if it's if it's gussied up with, like, oh, it's something presenting to you that you've played for about 35 hours that you feel more connected to it, you feel less like you're seeing into the back end. Like, is that it? I don't know. It, it's interesting because I feel like if that were the case... It's something they would have done previously, and then now they would yeah. have be like, "Yeah, we're the you know like cool Nintendo with our Switch that everybody wants to play." So we'll just tell you how much time you've really been playing. I actually wonder if what it is is this the first system where like other people can see your play history? Yeah. Yes. So maybe it's so. maybe it's like 
maybe the thought process is like around that somehow. I don't know what it would be, but it'd be like, oh, let's not like we people don't need to know exactly how much time Patrick put into uh, Tetris ninety nine. Let's just say it was about four hundred hours. <laughs> which is just as embarrassing as 397 <laughs> hours and 12 minutes like I, I don't get what the difference is um but i mean i guess like if you uh i mean i don't know there, there is like a little bit of like a privacy issue there if that's something you're concerned with but now that nintendo is giving you the ability to say like no only my friends or only my best friends or no one can see it um i wish they would also unlock the uh the more precise uh measurements of that they also added some new user icons from Animal Crossing New Horizons. Some of them are pretty slick. Yep. Um the uh like they they've got the the new characters in there and or like the the new sort of like I was going to say NPCs, but what what do I mean? Um uh, so CJ and Flick and uh Timmy and Tommy Nook are in there. Um Isabel in her island shirt, Tom Nook in his island shirt. Um and they're all great. I changed mine to CJ um cuz He's cool, and he has a, a a fishing streaming channel, and he's an otter. My gosh, I love him so much. I love when uh, you like bring him three fish or whatever, and so he gets really excited. Then he wants to take your picture. CJ taking my mm-hmm. picture is like all I ever want in life. <laughs> CJ's amazing. Um, I love that uh, he and Flick run a business together. <laughs> have you have you been following this? <laughs> no, I haven't run into that yet. So uh, that both of them, uh, both of them. Uh, if you bring if you bring Flick uh, three bugs, or if you bring CJ three fish, um, they make art uh, out of that fish or that bug. Um, and there are uh, CJ reveals that um, the art is whether he's giving it to you or Flick is giving it to you is all made by Flick. Um, and they're like they're partners in this business, although it's also not clear if they're partners in a different way. Um, so I know there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of shippers around um, CJ and Flick and I am 100% there for it. I wish them the best, happiest life where uh, one of them is excited about fish and the other is excited about bugs. And it's just beautiful. <laughs> oh, um... they also have, uh, they have uh, similar insignias. Um, he has it on his hat and, uh, or he, they're both he, um, CJ has it on his hat and Flick has it on like the back of his jacket. Um, I forgot to give my update on, uh, Huck, the horrible frog who lives on my island. Sad. Sure. Let's hear you bad mouth and Huck some more. Sad, sad report that he is still on my island. Um, despite my many, like, attempts to report him to Isabel. I don't know what I'm doing mm. wrong. I've never talked to this dumb frog. I report him for the way he talks and the way he looks to Isabel. I am at the end of my rope with this frog. I just want him to leave my island. The end. Uh, okay. So have you tried gifting him garbage? <laughs> how, how do you get? Oh, from like the nice fish? Yeah. That you get from the sea? No, I haven't done that yeah. yet. Next time you get like an old boot or an old tire, give it to him. Um, he will respond strangely. He'll be like, uh, okay. <laughs> and I think they get madder and madder at you. <laughs> this, is, this is good to know. Um, oh, okay. So going back to version 10.0.0, there is also a tantalizing rumor Coming from data mining of the new firmware, data miner Mike Heskins reports that the firmware makes numerous references to a new Switch hardware model known in the code as NXABCD. 
So, admittedly, NX ABCD sounds like a placeholder, right? <laughs> like, it's not, uh, that's not, that's not like an actual name of anything. However, um, the firmware is like referring to it as a separate, discrete piece of hardware. And look, when we, we saw stuff like this, um, like a year ago or something, uh, maybe even earlier than that, and you know, th- there was a version that turned out to be the Switch Lite. There was speculation that the other one was the Switch Pro, but really just turned out to be like the um, uh, the version of the regular Switch with like better battery life. Um, right. Well, and you always have to assume that whether or not a like an improved version of a console actually comes out, that these companies are always in R and D on these things. Right. If they can put out a second version of a Switch that is uh, powerful enough to market it as a separate thing, but uh, not so expensive to manufacture that it doesn't make sense for them to do it. Like they're gonna try to do that, right? Um, so like even though we don't know of uh any plans and like nothing came out last year, that doesn't mean that rumors of Nintendo working on a pro version of the Switch uh, that though that those rumors didn't have any validity to them. Yeah, I think last year is instructive in both ways, where it's like. You know, in the firmware, we saw uh, references to what turned out to be the Switch Lite, was, which was discrete new hardware. And then there were also references to this other thing that turned out to just kind of be like reconfiguring of the components inside the regular mm-hmm. Switch. So who knows what this is going to be? We do know that Nintendo president Shatoru Furukawa said earlier this year that we should not expect a new version of the Switch in 2020. And I know that, like, you know, companies don't are not always forthcoming with this kind of stuff. But because Nintendo is a public company, if the president of Nintendo is like, no, this is not happening, he's not like, oh, we don't comment on rumors or I don't know, we'll have to see what happens. Sure. It's a pretty good sign that it is not happening in 2020. Um, so we did skate over uh, one of the interesting details about the uh, the new hardware version um, that's uh, referred to in the um, in the code. Uh, there's some evidence there that the that the new hardware or the uh, yeah the the new hardware um, either includes or makes use of a secondary display. Um, so that would be you know something perfect for uh, emulating. Uh, 3DS games or Wii U games uh, that require that sort of like second screen. Um, So like, I wonder if it is less a new version of the switch and more of like a peripheral that would go on the switch and act as like a second screen, Um, which like, I do think that there's a lot of um, like Nintendo's recent history that is going to be necessarily abandoned on uh, uh, older hardware. Wii U, DS, and 3DS, um, so many of those games require that second screen. Um, and, uh, you know, I think with the Switch, Nintendo has found this, like, you know, new big audience that, like, wants to play and wants to buy stuff again. Um, and, like, I think they are probably doing whatever they can to figure out how to bring, you know, games. Uh, and when we're seeing it, we are seeing, like, games like Brain Age come over. Um, but like, 
you know, a- anything else they would want to bring over in the future, they have to figure out that part of it. Well, the other thing I'll add to that is uh, last year when the rumors about Switch, um, new Switch hardware really started to take off and like bigger um, outlets were reporting on it. There was talk about the Switch Lite. And then in at least the Wall Street Journal, there was reporting saying that like there was also a redesigned Switch that was unlike what anything, you know, that we had seen from the Switch before. Um, Interesting. Also, I really like your idea of this like peripheral that makes it a two screen experience because, um, yeah, like you're saying, there's so much that could be lost. Uh, is, did Super Mario 3D World, it didn't really make a ton of use of the second screen, did it? No, not, it made actually very uh, minimal use. Gotcha. Uh, the uh, the reason I bring it up is because um, yesterday on BestBuy.com, there was a listing for the Super Mario 3D World Switch Edition um, mm. that got pulled, which, you know, listings get put up all the time. But let us not forget that uh, Best Buy put up a Link's Awakening for Switch listing like a year before it was announced and there's been all those rumors of for super mario brothers 35th anniversary that this as well as some other classic games and a new paper mario game are coming so anyways i got like caught up in the uh, like i caught up in a brief hype cycle all myself being like oh my gosh yeah it might maybe uh if super mario 3d world requires a lot of like second screen stuff then they're gonna release it this christmas because they have to it's the only thing that makes sense but that's not true i'm backing down it's not true. i'm deflating the hype but uh there are obviously a ton of games that would benefit from having that that second screen um you know if like uh man the the zelda hd remakes of uh wind waker and uh twilight princess obviously totally playable without the second ex- second screen but like man uh those and uh the 3d versions of majora's mask and ocarina of time having the menu just as an open screen on the on the bottom screen is so handy and so fast and takes out so many of the roadblocks um for like making those games like fast and fun or think um, about like uh, Pikmin three, right? Like that's been a rumor yeah. for a long time that it's coming to Switch because there's also the rumor. I mean, really, like Miyamoto just straight up said that Pikmin four uh, is in the works. This was years ago. This was at like the end of the Wii right. U life cycle. Like he was like, "Yeah, Pikmin four is basically done." We've never heard anything about it since then. Oh man, there are so many big Nintendo shoes that like just need to drop now. Like I feel like we're just we're just on the edge of something happening, and maybe all of it gets pushed back due to COVID nineteen. But like, I, I feel like we're so close to like the next like big part of Nintendo. Uh, this week in Famitsu, they had a big feature on How Laboratory to celebrate the studio's fortieth anniversary. Um, the developers, including lead action programmer Katsuyoshi Sumimoto, general director Shinya Kumazaki, and design director Ricky Furman, commented on the future of the Kirby franchise. Uh, Sumitomo said, quote, I really want the next thing we create to be called the pinnacle of Kirby games. I'm positive the Kirby series can become even more fun. Um, the, so, so the, these quotes are cute. So let's talk about them one at a time. Um, but so the, uh, the idea that the next Kirby game would be the pinnacle of Kirby, the breath of the wild of Kirby <laughs> games. Um, do you think such a thing is even possible? Uh, I am skeptical. I'll say that, mm-hmm. um, Kirby feels like it is 
it's carved out a little niche for itself, and it does what it does mm-hmm. well. Um, I don't know that it's really a series that needs a radical reinvention. Yeah, or even one that like we would accept it, right? <laughs> like, I feel like uh, with a Kirby game, I want to spend some time with it. I want to uh, like mess around with some multiplayer. I want it to be cute, and then I want it to be done. <laughs> uh, Furman said, "Quote for me personally, I'd really like to make a non-action Kirby spinoff game. We're going to have a wide variety of Kirby coming out in the future." What does this mean to you? Non-action Action Kirby, Kirby game spinoff game. Um. Maybe, yeah, I don't know. Maybe like a Kirby fighting game or a Kirby sports sim. You know, like get another uh, dream course in there or something like that. <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure. I mean, also a Kirby fighting game is very funny too. <laughs> Isn't that basically what Planet Roboblox was? I did. I don't know. I didn't play that game. No, I mean that was basically just like a regular uh, Planet Robobot. Well, yeah, it was was basically a, a a regular Kirby game, except sometimes he gets inside a giant robot <laughs> suit. Uh, and Kumamoto added, "Each entry in the series has its merits, but I want to make something that exceeds previous games." Okay, so they're all talking a big game. They're all like, "Hey, the next Kirby game is gonna blow uh, no, no, blow your socks off, and you're gonna love it more than anything." Um. But uh, I anticipate spending a weekend with it and then uh, moving on. Hey, I mean, it'd be I would I uh, I'm super excited for Kirby to surprise me. Sure. Uh, file this one under duh. Uh, Gamescom 2020 has been canceled. Um, Gamescom is the biggest gaming expo in the world with uh, close to 400,000 attendees last year, and um, it's held in Cologne, Germany. And it's not happening this year. In its place, the organizers are already quote already working at full speed on digital Gamecom, uh, d- the digital event they hope to hold sometime at the end of August. Yeah. So unlike the uh, ESA and uh, the digital version of E3, this thing is actually happening. Um, and I think if it's whether it's uh, because Gamescom has had more time. Uh, like seeing the shape of what all of uh, the shutdowns have, have looked like, or if just because they were more online anyway, um, they uh, at least sound confident in their ability to pull off something in August. Yeah, I wonder what the how it'll line up with um, the Game Developers Conference that is also moving oh, online yeah, and is also that. going to be sometime in August. Um. Well, and the Game Developers Conference, which was delayed from a couple weeks ago, um, delayed and taken online. Um, so, yeah, I, I wonder, like, the Gamescom is, um, not, like, all games uh, uh, conventions are, like, international shows, just by nature of, of the business. But Gamescom feels more, like, holistically international, right? That, um, uh, just by virtue of being as big as it is. So I, I would kind of think that it takes precedence over um, something smaller like GDQ. Star Wars Episode One Racer has a Switch release date of May 12th, which I'm very excited for this. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. I'm very excited about it. Um, they, they showed off some of, the, some of what it looks like, and it's just nice to see the game like touched up a little bit. Here's something that we forget all the time as we uh, request our... N64 Classic Editions uh, is a lot of those games uh, don't look good, um, but they 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 touch this thing up and it actually looks um, you know still hilariously low poly, but uh, it looks nice, looks sharp, looks bright. 
Remember how last week we were super confused about uh, Dr- Double Dragon 2, The Revenge, coming out on the Switch eShop? Yes, I do. <laughs> so the story sort of gets weirder. Uh, it turns out that it's not... It wasn't like the only individual game from the Double Dragon and Kunio Kun collection to get a release last week. It seems like all of the games from the collection that were originally localized in North America got released individually. So the reason you would buy the collection at this point, I guess probably the price point is cheaper to buy them in the collection. And then you also Mm -hmm. get the games that were never localized. Yeah, so right now all of the games are uh, $4.99 each if, if you're buying them separately. I don't know what the, uh, what the collection is, um, but the collection includes like 18 games that were never... Um, it's either 13 or 18. It's one of those. I can see like the shape of the number in my head. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so uh, the, the games that uh, went up for individual um, release are uh, the original Double Dragon... Double Dragon 2 The Revenge, Double Dragon 3, River City Ransom, Renegade, Crash and the Boys, and Super Dodgeball. It should be noted that Double Dragon, Double Dragon 2, River City Ransom, and Super Dodgeball are all available to play as part of your Switch Online uh, payment uh, of like $20 a year as part of the NES Switch Online. Um, So it's a little bit weird that they're selling them for five bucks a pop. Uh, when you can play them for what is essentially free. Um, but uh, I don't know. There, there you have it. <laughs> uh, Crash and the Boys would be a great band name. Uh, Crash and the Boys is the name of uh, one of the bands in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I remember not liking that movie, but I should maybe rewatch it at some point. Mark, you're a damn fool. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's a delightful movie. Um, and it's got uh it's got so many like actors that were cool at the time and are like legendary now. Free Larson's in there, Chris Evans is in there. I mean, come on. <laughs> it's a proto Avengers. <laughs> on a previous episode, we also talked about the saga of cooking mama cook star. Star, star, star. And it looks like we're not done talking about it. Um, it, So it now seems that publisher Planet Entertainment published the game without IP holder Office Create's consent. And now Office Create is planning to pursue legal action against Planet Entertainment. Um, Yes. So to to quickly recap, this is a game that came out um, for all of like an hour and a half uh, a couple weeks ago before it was pulled from the eShop. Um, it still exists in physical stores. Uh, it is a new entry in the Cooking Mama franchise, um, but it uh, runs poorly and is by all accounts a bad game um, and you know no longer available to purchase digitally. Um, and there was some mystery surrounding why exactly it was pulled. Um, some people saying that it was uh using uh crypto or was uh using switches to mine for cryptocurrency um which turns out to not uh, actually be true uh representative for planet entertainment which is the publisher offered the following statement quote created creative differences arose as cooking mama cookstar was near completion that were outside the scope of our agreement and the game design approved by office create uh, the person giving the statement then went on to say that Planet Entertainment believed that they were within their rights to publish the game as they did. 
So, Mark, what happened here? <laughs> I mean, it sounds like what we reported on the first time and reported on. All right, maybe <laughs> talked about, uh, regurgitated. <laughs> um, uh, the uh, what we talked about last time turned out to be true, where it's just like their um, Planet Entertainment or whoever the developer was. I think there's like a third party in here who like actually developed yeah, the-, the game. The developer is called First Playable. Yeah, and they like, uh, you know, it seems like they ran out of money uh, or like they weren't given enough time or budget to polish the game. And then Planet Entertainment was like, we're just publishing this anyways um, to recoup our investment. And then Office Create is like, wait, but we have the IP and you're like not treating our IP well, so you're not supposed to be publishing this. Just seems like a complete mess. And Cooking Mama is caught in the middle. Poor Cooking Mama. Will will the cooking mama ever recover? <laughs> if she does, we'll report on it here. That's right. Report on it. <laughs> uh, here's another thing that we talked about previously. Um, Sonic Team usually puts on a panel at South by Southwest, but the festival was canceled this earlier this year. Um, at the time, Sonic Team on their Twitter promised to share whatever information they were uh, holding on to for the panel. But... Um, it turns out that they changed their minds on April 15th. The official Sonic Team Twitter account posted the following. Hey, hi, everyone. I don't want to misquote them. They didn't say hey. They said hi, (laughs) everyone. (laughs) (laughs) We know delays are way past not cool. Um, but with the world in its current state and to keep our team safe, we need to wait to show you our South by Southwest content until things have settled. Thanks for your patience. And we'll let you know as soon as we have a date to share. What is going on? What does that mean? Uh, I, it's I, not safe to share it? <laughs> I have to, I do puzzle over, we know delays are way past not cool. Way past not cool, man. <laughs> um, I think that they had some a game or something that was going to be released this year, and now they're like, oh, we don't know that that's actually going to be the case. So, and I understand that it's weird that they're saying that it's not safe for them to announce it. Yeah. Like, that that's not the case. The, the case is that, uh, <laughs> you know, conditions being as they are, your uh, time frame is not what you expected it to be. Uh, that's different from it's not safe for us to tell you what we were going to tell you. That's what, different. Wait, wait. It, that's not what they're saying, though, right? They're saying that uh, with the world in its current state and to keep our team safe, we need to wait to show you. Because I, I think... My interpretation of this, and this is me just going okay. out like based on no information other than this tweet. My yeah. interpretation of this is that they had a game, but that they were planning on like releasing this year. But because you know, like every uh, most people are under like stay at home orders, um, that development on the game is paused, and so they're saying like to keep our team safe by not like having them come into the office to work on this like Sonic game. Mm. Um, that is, that's my interpretation of it, but your interpretation is equally valid. In which case this is a dumb statement and I don't like it. I'm just saying this is way past. Not cool. <laughs> How did we not use this for the cold open? It's, Oh, I don't know. <laughs> you and I are so way past. Not cool. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't, but yeah, it will be interesting to see what kind of like happens with this. I don't know. It's, this is, 
I was about to say, like, it's kind of disappointing that we won't know the story behind all this stuff. It doesn't really matter. But I would be so curious yeah. to see, like, a lot of what is going on behind the scenes and how this is actually shifting development schedules and priorities and, like, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, totally. Oh, there, there was something that I uh, I had read this week that I didn't include in, in the news lineup um, that was about the, uh, the Sega Ages um, series. And that, uh, you know, Sonic 2 was uh, um, recently released as part of uh, Sega Ages. And uh, that there, there haven't been any plans for additional Sonic games to come out as part of that service. But that uh, future games like Sonic 3 and Sonic and & Knuckles um, could be if uh, Sega Ages does well. Um, and I wonder if, um, like, in, in general... Like what? Where? Where developers and where uh, publishers like Sega are going to put their effort going forward? Is it on, uh, you know, putting out games that they know are favorites that like will sell and are tested and blah 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 blah, um, like you could do with Sonic Three and Sonic and Knuckles, or to like keep developing and pushing out new stuff? Like, you know, that that could be part of what this is. Is like, oh, is now a time to take the chances and be bold? Mm-hmm. or to put out something a little bit more uh, safe, um, which, you know, is also kind of like what I feel like we're seeing from Nintendo with this uh, Super Mario 3D, um, you know, collection rumor um, that it's like, that's something safe, right? That's something that's like guaranteed to sell. And I'm sure it's not without its del- uh, development um, complications and difficulties, but like that that's not striking out with something new it is uh, striking out with something safe but don't you don't you think the um if the super mario like collection rumors are true that that is almost just like fortuitous timing on nintendo's part like yes you know yeah, like it it had to have been in the works for at least a few years um uh, again assuming that it, it turns out to be a real thing but i i agree with, i i see what you're saying like i i yeah i think that i the potential for something interesting to come out of this is definitely there. Yeah. Um, finally, tonight, uh, a little bit of sad news. Rick May, the voice actor who voiced Peppy in Star Fox 64, passed away last week um, due to coronavirus. Yep. Um, it's uh, uh, a voice of a character that I... Uh, is, I will talk about it, obviously, on um, Thursday, but Star Fox 64 was my Star Fox game. That was a, a, a game that I played through um, prob- probably literally hundreds of times. Um, so that is a voice that is burned into my brain. Uh, that's the original do-a-barrel role. Um, so, like, you know, the, the guy has earned his place as part of, uh, you know, uh, video game voice acting royalty. Um, all right, uh, that's going to do it. Let's get out of the news. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts if you like this episode. You can share it wherever you share stuff. Um, also, remember, we are talking about Star Fox on Thursday. Star Fox, we're talking about Star Fox. I assume that you have some thoughts about it. The music. The way the animals talk, the animals themselves, uh, <laughs> the dozen or so polygons on the screen at any given time, the insanely small aspect ratio, a frame rate that dips into single digits. I want to hear everyone's impressions of this game. So please write into us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. Gmail.
and participate in the conversation with us. You can also follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. You can check out our Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Apipetti. You can get more of his music by going to apipetti.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers being way past not cool. And thanks for listening. Hey, it's Mia. Hey, it's Allie. And we host the Rom-Com Review Podcast, P.S. I Love Rom-Coms. Each week, we'll have incredible guests come and discuss a new rom-com, grand gestures, meet-cutes, and of course, that elusive chemistry. Mia, what are you doing holding that giant boombox over your head? I'm hoping to win over listeners with this grand gesture. Take us back! Find a new episode every week. And subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by Campfire Media. Wow, you're uh, still holding that boombox. Yeah, I've got great upper body strength. Thanks, CrossFit. Yes. I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms. Campfire.